Welcome to another episode of Men in Your Life, Unapologetically Human. My name is Dan, and uh, Brady is, well, Brady's uh, taking care of a little uh, baby emergency, a little poop, a little poop action going on early on, so he'll be joining us shortly, but uh, welcome back for another episode. Today is going to be fucking awesome, by the way, because we have another guest that uh, we didn't announce because it was kind of a last-minute thing. But we have a good buddy of mine coming on later who is uh, going to kind of give his other pers- his perspective of uh, dealing with voids and dealing with, well, you know, just mental health in general. Um, and we'll get to that in a couple of minutes. But to do, you know, like we always do, which is a week re- weekly recap, um, my week, well, Really wasn't all that exciting, to be honest with you. <laughs> My work week was slow. Uh, we're training a new guy, um, dealing with dogs, dealing with pregnant wife, who is ex- extremely exhausted all the time. So she sleeps and then gets angry at the dogs when the dogs try to wake her up. And then I get stuck with the dogs. And then the dogs want to be assholes and try to bother me and rip my laptop out of the wall, rip my charger out of the wall, knock a TV over, which they almost just did. So it's been fun. It's been a fun time. But um, other than that, my week has been well. Uh, Brady is going to be coming back on here in a minute after he cleans up some poo-poos. And uh, not his own, his child. Don't worry. He did not poop himself. His child pooped himself. Or herself, sorry. But um, yeah, other than that, I know Brady, I know Brady had a stressful week. And uh, he, I'm sure he's going to go ahead and talk about that, which he should, obviously, because that's what this is. We talk about things that are bothering us. We vent we get the stuff out of out of our system that's what we do every week and uh i think brady are you back are you back bud i'm yeah. back you back hey what's going on brady oh like i said i'm dan and this is i'm brady and yeah. uh this is men in your life unapologetically human <laughs> and i'm a dad so i had to clean up some you know poopy diaper got some uh, <laughs> poopoos going on well brady how was your week man uh, you know, it's, it's getting more and more stressful. We've got, um, it's, it's starting to feel like, uh, you know, our client is saying, you know, let's see how much they can take before they break. Um, but we're taking it we're taking it in stride, but we're, we're just having to explain ourselves when we fall a little behind, which last I checked on some, on one of the jobs that we do, the client puts in, you know, these uh orders and we have over 1600 orders that we're trying to filter through um and there's one person filtering through it so no thank you i'm i'm pretty good if if i'm in the office i'm pretty good with uh i could i could do roughly 70 to 100 a day um but we also get about 70 a day new ones so <laughs> well you, so, you showed me you showed me that photo and i was like you look like the guy on facebook that's selling the 400 brand new hp laptops without batteries who obviously stole it from some kind of school or somewhere else like that's what it looked like in your in your office the other day oh yeah so what what we do is like i said like i've told people i do i do work for a uh, tech recycle company um and what we do is we pick up the recycle from our client and our client has multiple buildings here in the Seattle Redmond area. Um, and good luck guessing because <laughs> there's a ton of tech companies around here. But um, so our client, we go to these buildings and they have, you know, they have these, these drop off points all over their buildings. And that was just one room. 
that was just one drop off point. And I, I picked up, um, uh, almost 30 monitors. Um, probably I'd say 20 to 30 pounds worth of cables, uh, keyboards, mice. Yeah. Good times had by all. Um, but it's, it, I mean, it's our job. It's what we do. I mean, I'm a human. I get frustrated just like the rest of us. And I kind of went off with, uh, I vented with my boss a little bit and he understands. That's the great thing is, you know, that that's what makes my job worth it a little bit more is because my bosses, I can go off. I mean, I can drop the F bomb. I can, you know, I have no problem going off with them and they know I'm just venting. And they let me get it out. They talk to me a little bit about it. And then we move on. And, yes. you know, it's, I don't get in trouble for it or anything like that because they know I've, I mean, I've got tact. I'm not going to do that in front of a client or anything like that. I, it's, yeah, I, I do it when I get back to the office or when I'm on the phone in the truck or, or, you know, something like that. So. Yeah. I mean, like <clears throat> it's good to have bosses, like leaders that will listen. You know what I mean? And that's, that's what makes good bosses. I think, and I can do the same thing at work. Like I told you, I've, I've, I've straight just cussed my boss out, not him, but like in general, just cussing out. And, um, you know, like, like I said, it's when you, when you have that, um, that camaraderie with somebody, it makes it a little bit easier to kind of like get through the day, but it does. And then on top of that, um, you know, I've, I've, I said in the beginning, Dan, that we, we, we're going to stay away from, you know, there are very few topics we stay away from in this podcast. Politics is one of them and I'm not going to talk politics. However, I can tell you, um, so Washington state, specifically Snohomish County, uh, where I live, uh, ha has insta instated a, uh, mask, another mask mandate. And yeah, my we have, we have two my now. is three weeks away. Um, so I don't know what that's going to do. Oh, um, Dan and his wonderful wife are going to be joining us. Uh, Damn right. Mask or not, we'll be there. And I just wanted to give you a heads up. I'm, I'm pretty pissed off about it, but I'm not going to get into detail in the, in the podcast. Just, I'm pretty pissed off about it. I don't like it. And I, it's, well, it's, it's, let me, let me, let me say this. Uh, I was, uh, fortunate enough to actually be in Seth's wedding as like an emergency groomsman. Um, who uh, oh, Seth is, Seth yeah. is our buddy. Seth is our buddy. who's going to be joining us shortly. And, um, I was lucky enough to be in his wedding as an emergency groom, beautiful wedding, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful fucking area. Right. It was, I mean, that motherfucker was on point. The food was on point. The people were awesome. Even the, like the host, the venue host motherfucker was packing the whole night. Like, I mean, the dude was just, like, the whole thing was just great. Right. Well, that was during the time of mask mandates and it started off that way, but you're at a wedding and you're eating and you're drinking and it's just like, you know what? I mean, eh. well, I don't eh. think, I don't think the venue is going to enforce it too much. Um, we're not going to have anything real big either. I mean, we're looking at with, with the RSVPs we've received. Um, I mean, if it's just the RSVPs we've received for confirmations, there's going to be like 15 people there. But well, uh, our, you know, ours is coming. I just don't know if it's going to, if, you know, USPS, all that crap. It's just, oh, I've, got, I've got you. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. 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 Yeah. Well, um, the big middle finger, your finger you drew on it was really nice. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I didn't know such it, thing. He didn't do that. Um, but that's my uh, wife. Basically, it, um, with that, uh, Dan, you know, he's, I, not, not saying that he's, he's, you know, I, 
I don't know the guy, so I'll let you go ahead and introduce the uh, the gentleman we have coming on with us. It's going to be great. I think he's going to have a really unique and and a different facet facet to uh, talk about with, right. with this. Absolutely. So as we move on to part two of our series of voids, today we're going to talk about when the void stares back. So it's kind of more of what happens when you have the realization of a void or you are becoming uh, headstrong into a void. And I, you know, we brought it up the other day or the last episode. Um, it doesn't get enough traction is military members who are either career military or trying to transition out of the military into civilian life and how that in itself can cause a void. And it, you know, obviously there's mental health, you know, aspects to, to, to that for sure. Like we all, we're all aware of that. Um, so my good buddy, uh, Seth, who agreed at the last minute to come on, which I didn't think he was going to, but God bless. Thank you for him because this will give us, I think, uh, like we did with Chris, this is going to give us an awesome podcast. This is going to give another perspective of everything. Um, you know, he's going to go into as much detail as he wants. We're obviously not going to push him into talking about anything, but you know, I think all in all, this is going to be, I think it's going to be a really, really awesome. Um, this is going to be a really, really awesome podcast. And, uh, I just want to, you know, join or let or welcome everybody in. Um, Seth, thanks for joining us. Hey, how's it going, Dan? How's it going, Brady? Appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely, man. So, Seth, I we kind of we kind of dabbled on it last week, telling everybody, or, or I kind of told everybody um, a little bit about what was about you and about like military, and it wasn't too much. It was just. Uh, you know, we were talking about the differences between people who really struggle and then there's people who may not struggle transitioning out. But obviously, we don't know because we only know what people tell us or what we see. So why don't you go ahead and I mean, you go ahead and tell everybody who you are, what you're about, and, you know, we'll go from there. OK, so my name's Seth. Uh, I joined the military. Uh, I joined the Army specifically straight out of high school, age 18. Uh uh, I joined because not for God and country, but for that college money. Um, uh, but over time, it kind of changed my perspective as as uh, as I served. But I joined the uh, MP Corps. Uh, I joined in 2012. I got out in 2016. Uh, I was stationed in uh, well, I went to basic training in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Uh, from Le Fort Leonard Wood, I went to Stuttgart, Germany. Uh, served there for two years and then came back to the United States to Fort Drum, New York, um, Canada's butthole. Fun fact, uh, but <laughs> it it was it was it was definitely a unique experience. Um, I from from interacting with a lot of other service members, uh, you know, both in and out of the military. Uh, I've I've got a definitely different perspective, at least from what I can tell. But after after I went to uh, uh, New York, I uh, got out, and then I came back down here to uh, the Washington D.C. area. You know, so that's a boatload of fun. But yeah, no, it's definitely been a real experience. It was it was definitely really interesting. Well, and and you know, I'm I'm glad you you freely been, and you know, there's nothing wrong with with joining the military for that college money. I mean, there's a reason it's there. I think it's great coming from from me personally. I have over forty thousand dollars in student loan debt um, that. I deal with on a regular basis. So, I mean, I'm more power to you. I'm happy that that's helped 
Um, I'm and I I'd like to take a moment. Thank you for your service. Yep. Thank no you, problem, man. Thank I appreciate you. it. So tell us a little bit about um, you know, what is so with your you recently, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you recently transitioned. Um Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I got out in twenty sixteen. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's five years. That's really not that long ago. It really isn't. I mean, the, in the grand, grand scheme. scheme of things. Yeah. So um how do they, you know, I've always wondered, and if you don't mind me asking, if you share as much as you can, I've always wondered what kind of, what kind of aid do you get to retransition into civilian life? So during my time, it was, there was actually quite a bit. Um, and, and, and this goes back to like just the army as a whole, like there's a lot of resources now, nowadays, and they're always, it seems like they're always adding more. Um, so when I got out, um, it was, it, it was, so they have these checklists every time you go anywhere in the military where you go there or you leave, there is a checklist in and out processing checklist. And here's all these places that you've got to go post headquarters and the, uh, you know, facility for all your equipment and all this stuff. And you have to check out, but part of those, um, at least for exiting the military was, it was like the the transitioning brief, all right, and it was its own separate checklist, and they had all these things, man. Let me tell you, they had they had cor- courses on finances. They wanted you to get your finances good, and you had and keep in mind you had to pass these these little courses to uh, to actually be able to leave. They wouldn't sign off for you to get out until you passed it. So so like the finance course you had to take, there was like a resume building course. Um, you had to show that you applied to at least like three jobs. Um, so there was, there was a lot. Um, but I gotta say like from the time you get in the military, man, the structure is, is unparalleled, man. They tell you when, like first, when you get in there, they just deconstruct everything. You get up when you're told, you eat when you're told, you sleep when you're told, you do what you're told, right? Uh, once that was in basic, once you get out of basic, it gets a little bit less, you know, micromanaged but you're still you're still pretty pretty regular right you get up on a certain on weekdays and you do pt then you go back clean come back work you know your normal work day um and so it's very structured and so upon transitioning out it was very unique in that you once you lose that structure you're like freedom but then it's like okay now what like what do i do um, so it was definitely very, very interesting in terms of transitioning. Um, I was, I was probably one of the more lucky ones. Uh, I was blessed, uh, throughout my entire time, um, in the military and before that, actually in high school, I had my now wife, then girlfriend with me the entire time. Uh, we met in high school and, uh, dated throughout, uh, all high school or through the second half of high school. Uh, dated while I was in basic all the way through Germany, through New York, down here to uh, Virginia. And then now, luckily, like Dan said, I was married to her. So I was lucky to have her as as a backstop to uh, basically everything I had. I had someone like a sounding board, someone to talk to, a kind of vent um, for, for the problems that I had in the military. And then once I was able to get out, not only did I have the classes I was talking about, um, I had I had her. Uh, so when I got out in 2016, 
uh, I got out and I like all I had was my car and my crap in my car. Like I, I left post and I had I just everything I owned was in my car. Right. And so I came I came I road tripped down to Virginia and then, you know, I I went and I stayed with Pamela, which, you know, so happened to be that it was in her mom's basement. Right. And so um, I, mean, I was, we, we've all been there, though, like at yeah. one point in our life, we have all been in our parents' basement. Yeah. And, and you know, I was at dude. OK, so like I had my problems with the military um, and <laughs> they had their problems with me. But I I I was happy, man. Um, I'll get, get into it in a little bit a little bit later. Um, but to be honest, I I hated the military um, personally. Uh, it was nothing. I didn't have a problem with the structure and all that. For me, it was the people, uh, which, you know, is very difficult with a lot of places. You can't control the people you meet and the people you work with. Um, it's more so like when the I, business side of everything? Uh, not so much the business. It, like, dude, I'm telling you, you had you get some people like in the, there. You get the corporate mentality type of stuff? You could say that, yeah, actually. Yeah, it was it was very – corporatized is, is – is relative in terms of the military, but, but like you're getting the concept right with, with it. Um, it was very interesting. There was more of like overall mission, people be damned type deal. Um, so when I left, man, I was, I was so happy, man. I, I was, dude, I was, I was just, I was flying high, man. I had nothing to my name except my car and that was it. And so when I went into Pamela's basement, I was, or her mom's basement, I was, dude, I was so happy. I didn't care. I didn't have a care in the world, man. I was, I was so happy. We, um, and then I ended up staying down there for, uh, <laughs> I, I went down there and I stayed down there for like a month, man. Like when I mean, I stayed down there is like, I got Skyrim remastered and I played that game for a month. I didn't work. I didn't do anything. Uh, and so then after that, I get, I get why uh, you said that, that that game brings you into a rabbit hole. It does. It does. I love it <laughs> so much. I, I gotta ask. I mean, was that do was that because um, because you had gotten out and or and I mean, this is the to me. I mean, like I said, I don't know you, Seth. So, I mean, this is the first time I've I've ever talked to you. So, from an outside objective person, was that because of a void that was that was created by leaving the military i mean the military is it's not a job it's a lifestyle it's i mean do you, yeah. do you think that you latched on to something like that because of that or was it just because you know you were finally out and you could do whatever the hell you wanted to do all the time yeah i would say it's definitely the uh the second part of that um so my i i got a i got out and i i Okay, so like the military, the way they do it is like it gets it gets busy, man. Like especially as an MP, MPs I would say are probably busier than most. But then of course everybody would kind of say that their their job is busier than most. But most days um, when I was actually working the road and you know being military police, um, they would roll from 12 to 16 hour days on a day where your shift was eight hours. Um, you know, between PT, uh, doing PT for about an hour, hour and a half, getting ready and then going to work. And then you'd get off of, you know, you'd, you'd go to work at six in the morning, get off at two o'clock. Um, but that was your roads, your road schedule, right? So you could be off the road at 
two, but have to wait another hour and a half for somebody to do their paperwork uh, and then get off. So it was me taking the break, the month long break was basically because I was on the road the entirety time, the entire time uh, I was in the military. Uh, When I went to Germany, my unit was primarily we worked only the road. Right. We were we were the only MP unit on uh, in in that part of uh, Germany. So. I was I'm telling you, man, I worked the road so many times. I spent so much time in a, in a, a, a cop car just, you know, <sighs> eating, eating uh, tornadoes from the, the PX and the commissary. And uh, and it was just it, it was definitely a unique experience. But like I needed a break. Right. Um, sure. And so, so it was going. I, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're, you're fine. You're fine. I was going to say, so like Brady said, so when you go, when you kind of bunker down in, into your, you know, mother-in-law's basement and you're playing, you know, Skyrim, that for you is basically just like, thank God, like monkey off the back. You're like, you're, you're, you're done. But I know, and I'm, you know, obviously it's not like this is, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to figure it out. Like, I know that it's not like that for everybody though. And was there a time when you have bunk when you were bunkered down? Was there a time that I wouldn't say you necessarily missed being in the military, but did you miss the structure? And then did you miss some of the people that you had involved yourself with? Yeah, well, so I didn't I didn't miss that when I was in the basement In the basement. My world was Skyrim. Um, but I actually after that month, I actually ended up getting a contracting job. Uh, her uh, Pamela's uh, stepfather, he was a contractor at the time, and he ended up uh, introducing me to somebody who ended up giving me a, a contract job. Now, that job was, you know, escorting cleaning crews, you know, like it was it was there. But and then at that point, that's when I missed the structure. Um uh, it was, you know, and then up to this point, you know, like I get these, I get people I work with and my work ethic is, is very much similar to when I was in the army. And it was like, I take my work very seriously. Uh, one of my things is that I, I believe in my professionalism above all. Anytime anybody calls me, whether I know them or not, you know, I'm like, I answer the phone professionally and stuff. Um, but I don't get that with some of my colleagues and my coworkers and stuff. And it, it bothers me a bit. Um, you know, but I, you know, I've, I understand, of course, like they're not in the military. They weren't in the military and they don't, they, they're no, not obligated to do so. I just, you know, I miss, I miss the kind of work ethic where like somebody says, Hey, we need to do this. And then everybody's like, got it. Let's do it. You know, now what do you, you think, get... the, what, what do you think the, the hardest part of, of your transition? Well, honestly, it's kind of a three part. What do you feel like was the hardest part to deal with, uh, getting into the military and then coming out and, then since, I mean, it's been five years. So, what do you feel like is the most difficult part of civilian life for you? So, going into the hardest part for me was the uh, the physical fitness. I was uh, more on the tubby side uh, when I when I joined. Um, I it was definitely it was definitely the it was definitely the physical part coming in during the time. Uh, was definitely my mental health when it came to uh, dealing with the whole thing. Uh, it was, I had, I was angry at the army as a whole. Uh, it was, it was very difficult for me to deal with the people because a lot of the people do stuff because it's systematic uh, and they don't think twice and they also don't use logic as a fun fact, um, which sometimes makes sense, other times it really doesn't. 
you know, you'd end up getting a Connex full of equipment, and then they're like, hey, we need to lay it out and take, uh, you know, take inventory of everything. Okay, sure. Right? You lay it out, you take inventory, and you throw it back in. Right? And they're like, yep, you're good to throw it back inside. So you put everything back inside. And then 20 minutes later, they're like, hey, we need, the, you know, the LT to come out and take a look at it. And we're like, uh, we just threw it all back in the container. And they're like, well, you need to bring it back out. And we're like, okay. All right, so we take it out, and then, you know, you put it down there, and then they're like, okay, LT's going to come and do it, right? And you wait, like, two and a half hours. you got to sit there waiting for it, make it all look pretty. And then they're like, hey, LT's in a meeting, so throw it back in the container. He'll do it tomorrow. And we're like, hey, man. Uh, um, <laughs> like, your mindset is, like, absolutely the fuck not. Like, did you just really have me do all that for no reason whatsoever? Right, and it was— But you can't really say that either because then it's like you're going to, what, run fucking for days? Push-ups, man. Push-ups. Yeah, push-ups for days. No thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Front lean and rest position. Move. Um, it it was it was very difficult for me, and and a lot of it a lot of it was I also didn't um, so I joined I joined as an MP wanting to be an MP. Uh, I wanted to be an MP because I watched SWAT as a formative age, and I really liked that, and so I ended up. Uh, taking some courses in high school, and I wanted to be an MP because I wanted to be a cop. And I wanted to join for life, right? I wanted to do my 20 years, uh, get out with a retirement like my dad did. Um, and it did not go as I had hoped. Uh, one, because being an MP is um, not quite the same as being a cop, or at least not not to me, at, uh, at least. And so it didn't work out. And so I ended up getting out in um, four years. Transitioning to to civilian life, um, I was like I said, man, I was blessed because I had I have my my girlfriend now wife, uh, she was there for me. Um, she worked full time, uh, she supported me through my month long binge of Skyrim, and then after that, uh, she supported me while I uh, worked uh, worked as a contractor and then also did school. Right. She was she was the breadwinner at that time. She was like I was like, hey, man, I'm going to do I'm going to do my college. I'm going to do my work. Um, and she was like, OK, cool. And so I did that um, for me. I mean, it was it was really cool. The hardest the hardest part for me was, uh, I guess, for the transition into civilian life was was probably the structure. Like, I mean, it was it was nice. It was comforting. Right. You know, you can succeed in the military if. You do like three things. If you show up in the right place, the right time, in the right uniform, and you succeed. Like that's all it takes. You know, there's a lot more to it than that, obviously. But like you do that and you've got a fundamental like you're going to look so good, you know. So I I would say that would be the hardest. The I, hardest think, I think one of the one of the things that I, I've, I've picked up on, I don't know, maybe maybe it's just me, is there's a reoccurring theme when you speak about your wife and it's about the support that she has shown throughout your um, base. Well, I guess throughout your entire relationship, but also during the time of your military and post-military career. And we we have discussed many, many times on this podcast the importance of having um, to having somebody like, you know, having a teammate and the importance of having that in your corner and how it helps you get through stuff. And I'm sure that. 
I mean, like for me, obviously, like there's things that I probably would never get through if it wasn't for my wife. And it's the same thing with Brady. Like there's things that he wouldn't be able to get through if it wasn't for his wife and shit, even for his kids. Like if he didn't have his kids, I'm sure that, you know, the kids, I say this in the nicest way. Sometimes like I know that your kids, Brady, are sometimes a distraction, but they're like, they're like the right distraction at the right time because you have something going on and it's like, poof, like they make you forget it. Right. So having that support with your, with your wife, I'm sure it helped immensely with your mental health. But like I said, not everybody has that opportunity to have that support. So when you, when you, you said, when you got your contracting job, it's kind of when it hit you that you missed the structure. Was there a time anytime after that and maybe even now that it's really like it hit you that you were actually out and because i know you know like we, we've talked before like there's things that you had gone through with people in the military or you've witnessed some people you know having to deal with some bullshit and i'm sure there's some things that you've seen and heard of and you know stories and stuff like that so was there was there ever a moment where it kind of just like really you kind of hit that like brick wall and you just started you could like feel it, you know, like you could feel your mentals kind of start like falling apart like a puzzle piece. So actually it's a little bit in reverse, uh, I, I would say. So I, when I, basically I was falling apart in the military and I, I was actually, I came together once I left. Um, I, like I, like I mentioned before, I had, I had some anger issues with the military and like it was, you know, I was tired a lot. You know, you know, everybody in the military is tired. Uh, that's why they can sleep anytime and anywhere. But like, it was, I was stressed. You know, I didn't, I didn't adapt well to the police mindset. Uh, we would go, we would go into shift. <laughs> One of the common phrases that everyone would say was like, "Stay alert, stay alive." You know, and um, so I would, you know, we would go on shift. But then, like, you'd always hear, you know, they they come out for guard mount and they come out and say, hey, you got to keep an eye out. Make sure you're watching out. People coming up to cars, shooting in them. Uh, hey, take a look at this Nerf gun. This Nerf gun's actually a shotgun in, in disguise. And hey, look at this Sharpie. The Sharpie's actually a knife in disguise. You know, and so like all these things. Um, and I I'm I'm a very logical thinker. Uh, the way I the way I think, I can you know when I see something, I can think about it a lot. Right. You know, they'd say something, keep an eye out for this. And I'd always kind of have it in the back of my head. Uh, but I would do that with a lot of things. Right. I would I would keep a lot of things in the back of my head. And so I would get really, really stressed out. I didn't like going out in public for a very long time because I was always thinking that somebody was going to jump me uh, when you went on shift. Um, you know, it was a very common thing with MPs. MPs and infantrymen don't get along, uh, you know. And so I and I'd heard stories from a bunch of people that would say, hey, you know, uh, don't go into infantry land. They'll jump you, you know. Um, and so, you know, I always had that, you know, you'd go into calls and they're like, hey, watch out. Somebody would just could just try to kill you in a snap of a finger. You know, uh, you throw you pull out those handcuffs and then people change, you know. So it was, it was I didn't do I didn't do well. And coupled, of course, with the fact that, um, you know, <laughs> I did not enjoy working with some of the leadership that I had, uh, some of the people I had, you know, all right, I didn't enjoy working them with either, but I had a lot of that problems with that. And I even, I even went one time I was, I, it, for me, my, my wife tells me, you know, every time I bring it up, it's night and day for me, uh, how I was in the military and how I am now. Uh, she always, she told, she knew me before the military in the military and after she always told me that like the military made me angry. Um, and it was so she's seen she's seen like all three 
phases of Seth or, you know, what oh, yeah. the military can do to somebody. And like you said, yours is yours is reverse, right? So but mm-hmm. she's seen all three phases of that. And you know, we talk about the struggles that you may have had or, you know, like Brady and I have had and everybody everybody else has, but I think one of the things that is also forgotten is the pressure it puts on your spouse or your significant other, especially with being with somebody in the military. And cause that's something that they sign up for and they're, you know, they do it out of love. And I know that I damn shit, dude, I know that shit can't be easy. I'm sure that probably wasn't easy for her. And, you know, it's probably not easy for like Brady, like your wife, like watching you struggle with stuff or and struggle with things and not wanting to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, I, I think that's, there. there's where the similarities between the three of us, I mean, we, all three of us have, have very different, uh, very different paths we've been on. I mean, yeah, very different backgrounds. Uh, yeah, very different backgrounds. But this, this is where, this is where the joining comes in is, you know, um, you, you were in the military. I, this little known fact, I was kicked out of the army, actually. Um, hey, fun fact. So was I. Uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, I didn't make it through basic. I mean, yeah. So, um, and, and for me, I can honestly tell you that's one of the few. Now I I went through in my, in my younger years, I went through a lot of harder times. Um, and I have no problem looking at you and saying these were because of decisions and choices that I had made. Um, I put myself in these situations and I put, and I did, I did a lot of this to myself, but, um, I joined at 19 and, um, and I was, you know, I wasn't mentally ready for it. I wasn't a basic really kind of, kind of screwed me up a little bit, but, um, this is, I, and I've gone through my life, you know, oh, I regret this. I regret that. But now that I'm a little older, uh, you know, I'm 40 years old. I've got kids. I've, I've experienced quite a bit. I'm not old by any stretch, but I've, I've got some time under my belt. And, um, I can honestly say there are very few regrets in my life. And one of them is getting kicked out of the army. Um, now that's me and that's very different for you. That's, I mean, that would be different for Dan. That would be different for anybody. Um, I was, uh, I, I was kicked out. Um, this, uh, I, I tried to kill myself actually. Um, I took, uh, I, I, I was, I got diagnosed with pleurisy, uh, the, basically the, the, uh, the sack that sur- that surrounds my lungs was inflamed and extremely painful, and I got sick. Well, they they ended up giving me a bunch of pills, and I'm 19. I don't know shit, but I took all the pills at once, and um, mm. it, it wouldn't have killed me. I mean, I, it might have it, it might have hurt my kidneys a little bit for a little while, but wouldn't have killed me or anything like that. But um, I ended up in a military mental institution for three weeks before the, uh, the first sergeant and I'll never forget him. Um, he was a great dude. I really enjoyed, uh, I, I really enjoyed our discussions because he came and visited me more than once. Uh, but the first sergeant, um, when he came in to discharge me, he, he ended up giving me a failure to adapt, um, yeah. rather than, rather than a uh, medical discharge. Um, or like it was, it's something different in basic, but, um, but it would have been, you know, it would have blocked me from being, from going back. And after the discussions that, that he and I had had, um, and really a great conversations with this gentleman. Um, but with the discussions that we had, he, he was like, you know, you're just not mentally there yet. He's all give it a couple of years. 
He's all wait a couple of years, get get some shit straightened out. And I actually ended up taking my taking my ASVAB and signing back up. And then you know something in my personal life happened, and I just didn't make it to MEPS, which is Military Entry Processing Station, um, if I remember correctly. <laughs> but, but um, I just didn't make it to MEPS to to get sworn in, and I I hadn't signed a contract or anything yet, and it just fell by the wayside. But I can honestly say that for me, for my mindset, I feel like it would have helped me. I would have been better off. Um, but that being said, I, I regret not having that. But but that being said, I would never have experienced what I've experienced in my life, and I wouldn't be the man that I am today. And I, my, it's funny, my mom and I actually just had this conversation the other day because, I, I mean, I, I talk to my mom at least once a week. And, um, you know, I like who I am. I mean, I've, I, I've done things the hard way through, throughout a long time. But, you know, and I've done, and I mean, in, in the subject of that, you know, that, that experience I had in basic training, I, I mean, that it was the farthest, it was the longest and farthest away I'd ever been from home. I didn't have anybody around me. I didn't, I, I didn't feel like I had anybody support. Um, I, I couldn't just call my dad or my mom whenever I wanted. Um, it was one of those things. And that's what they do in basic. They break you down. I mean, that's, that's, that is the plain and simple truth of it. Anybody that tells you any different is lying to you. Um, that's just my experience. I should say, I, I mean, that's been, that's, that was what I saw, but, um, you know, that void, I didn't handle well. Uh, that void of, of missing home, that void of not having family, that void of not having that support system around me, that was something that I didn't handle well, that I didn't deal with very well, obviously. Um, and that's that to kind of, to kind of bring it back to the subject at hand, you know, we handled these voids and that's a void that, that I had no problem filling. Um, shortly after that, I was an addict. I, I got heavy into some pretty heavy drugs, uh, meth. Uh, I was a meth head. Um, I got into cocaine. Um, I, de I've, I've never been much of a pill popper, but there wasn't a whole lot of drugs that, that passed my, pa passed me that I didn't tr at least try. Um, never got into heroin, never got into pills, um, which is, you know, I realized what that sounds like after, you know, trying to kill myself with pills, but you know, I never really got into them. Um, but basically what, I, what I'm saying is, you know, bringing it back to the subject at hand, I, I dealt with a lot of my voids at a younger age in a very negative way. You know, I, I really did. And that, that being said, I, I would like to know from both of you, Dan and Seth, you know, can you look back to any point in time that you dealt with something that puts you into that hole, into that void, and you dealt with it in a very wrong way? Seth, I'll let you go first. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Cause when I, when I first went to Germany, man, it was, so like you said, basic breaks you down, basic breaks you down, gets the civilian out of you, breaks you down to the fundamentals of soldiers, uh, of being a soldier and then builds you up from there. Right. And then from that point you're, you are a soldier. Um, and you know, when I, that, you know, it, it, it was definitely hard. First time I'd ever left my parents, like for any any time, was when I went to basic training uh, at 18. And then I went to Germany. And I got to tell you, man, Germany was rough. So I 
I, you know, it was the army and everyone, everyone at the current duty station was like, yeah, this place sucks. Every place else is better. And you know, this and, um, fun fact for you in Germany, the drinking age is 18 for, uh, liquor and 16 for beer. Uh, but also fun fact, the army recognizes host country or host nation, uh, laws at that. So at the age of 18, I was able to drink legally. And then by the time I came back to the United States, I was 21. So still able to drink legally. But when I first got to Germany, man, let me tell you, I don't remember the six months, first six months. It was you drank. You drank that much. Anytime I was not at work. But was that on purpose? Or was that just because there was nothing else to do? Or you're like, well, fuck yeah, I'm going to drink. Little, little bit of both. So, so part everything? of being an MP. Part of being an MP. So the way the unit was set up was the unit was in in the barracks, right? But the com the company, like the actual place where all the leadership was, uh, and worked day to day, was in the basement of the company. So you know, like we would go when they come for shift, right? They'd come downstairs and everybody'd go. But if you know, for example, if somebody who was married who didn't live in the barracks uh, didn't show up or was like, "Hey, traffic's crazy bad. It's gonna take me an hour to get there." Um, then they'd come upstairs and start knocking on doors and be like, Hey man, you know, like you need to go work. So part of it was kind of like a self-defense mechanism. Uh, you're not legally allowed to carry a firearm if you've been drinking, right? Especially in the military. They, they, you know, like if you, but it was, it became self-defense where it was like, do you get off shift? You take a shot at Jack, you know, like at that point, then they can't come and say, Hey man, you need to work shift. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would go and do that. Um, but it was also part of the culture, like, you know, there was very little to do, you know, like MPs didn't really like mix well with the other people uh, in the uh, on the base, you know, and just, you know, because you'd run into people you'd arrested. So like it didn't, right. it, didn't <laughs> it didn't really it didn't really work out well. So like a lot of people, it was very tight knit. So you, you know, right. people come and be like, hey, man, let's go out. Let's go get fucked up tonight. Let's go get sloshed. And then we would go out, and then you don't remember what happened. So, you know, and, and that was pretty bad. And it, dude, I'm telling you, that was probably, like, the lowest of my times in the military because at the time, uh, I, was in, I was in Germany, and my, my girlfriend was in Virginia. And she was going through her own things, and she wanted to talk to me. And, you know, I would be, you know, given the time difference, it was different. But, like, it was also the fact that, like, I'd be out fucked up, and I would not mm -hmm. be talking to her. Um, and so, you know, it was, it was really bearing a toll on our, uh, on our relationship. And, uh, she ended up telling me later that if it wasn't for one of my buddies, uh, she would have probably left me, um, Yikes. because, you know, just because of just how, how I was treating her. Um, right. and then about six months in, I was like, I was like, dude, this is, this is fucked. I can't do this, you know? And so I, I stopped going out. Um, I didn't stop drinking at that point. Um, but I definitely toned it down a lot. And then, um, and then I started talking to her more and appreciating her more. Uh, and then, and then after I left Germany, I, I really kind of just stopped drinking, not because I, I think I, I have a problem, although I might, um, but <laughs> we all, yeah, right. <laughs> but I, like, I just stopped drinking because for me, like I, I saw what it did to some of the people that I was with and, you know, I'll, I'll drink casually, but I don't, I don't get sloshed. I also don't, I've also been too fucked up in too many places in public and stuff to, to want to do that in public. Right. So most of the time when I do it, I'll do it, I'll do it in my own home or like a friend's home or something like that. Like I just, you know, Absolutely. Um, but yeah, like it was, it was definitely rough. 
it was it was not it was not great. How about you, Dan? Well, so I can safely assume that the one other thing that all three of us have in common is that we enjoy the alcohol. Um, for me, obviously, this is this is not going to be this is not going to be like a shocker to anybody. I mean, my biggest issue is when I lost my brother. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about it, but we don't really talk about it a lot on this podcast. And it's one of those things is more so me. Um, and yes, I could, I guess you could say I'm a little bit of a hypocrite when it comes to that, but it's also like I, part of why we, I don't talk about it too often. It's cause it's not, it's not necessarily, it's not about like you and I Brady, like it's, this is also about other people. So sometimes you kind of have to, like, I have to, I struggle with myself like trying to find that happy balance between like opening up and then not like opening up too much because it's about this is also about other people but in this instance you know we're talking about like the voids and stuff it it definitely was with my brother because that was when i mean that was sudden like that it was it was fucking sudden like i knew um that he had been struggling with stuff i didn't know the extent of it because my family, I wouldn't say they covered everything up. It was they didn't want me to know about certain things because they didn't want me to like worry or panic or they were trying to like protect me and, and like stuff like that. And like looking back, like there was a time where I was very upset, like I was pissed. And I was just like, well, you know, if you fucking told me, I could have as a brother went to go like help him out. And they're like, well, that, that's not what he wanted. And I was like, I don't give a fuck what he wanted. And then I realized how absolutely shitty that is as a person to be like, I don't give a fuck what they wanted because that he was doing it. He was doing it for a reason. He was doing it because he didn't want me to see him at his lowest. And I understand that. And I think the hardest part of dealing with with that or knowing somebody who's battling through something like that is understanding that whether they're going through something or not, you at the end of this, at the end of the day, you still need to respect some of their wishes and it's like if they don't want to talk about it you can't force them to talk about it and because if you do nor it'll just what's that nor should you try right because it'll it just makes shit worse like I, you can like i said you know we've always talked about you you know you shoot your shot like you take your opportunities to try to get somebody to open up but if they're not going to talk about it don't fucking harp on it because they don't want to fucking talk about it. Like there's a time, like if you're, I think you and I think all three of us are well aware of this is that when you know that there's somebody on like that breaking point where, you know, between just kind of crossing the line of going too far and not going too far, there's a time where sometimes you push because you know, it's going to happen and you're trying to make sure it doesn't. But in my instance, like with my brother, he was very, to himself but at the same time he was very open with some of his friends and i still remember uh, I, I i remember everything like it was yesterday um he what he was battling through some stuff and he was playing baseball adult league and he hurt his knee and he couldn't work so he was live they were living off his girlfriend's paycheck which did not sit right with him because he's very work motivated. He was a kind of guy that like wouldn't call out, wouldn't, you know, like he's working if he can work, if he's capable, he's working. And, uh, they were living off his girlfriend's check and, you know, he would drink heavily and, uh, him and his girlfriend at the time, like they would battle, they would butt heads about stuff. And she was, um, 
she was the more of the I wouldn't say like the pusher, but she knew like she knew him better than almost like anybody. So like she knew what to say to him to kind of like snap him out of shit. But he had messed his knee up, um, couldn't play baseball, couldn't work, um, was scheduled to like take over this like adult team, like to coach and shit. And the guy that he was taking over for messaged him. I think like two days or something like before the season started and told him that he didn't need his help anymore. And like, he, it wasn't that like, Hey, we don't need you. It was like, it was like, Hey, I don't, I don't need you. Like I'm good without you. And I think he took it a certain way and which kind of just like fucking opened up the fucking floodgates and just had him spiral down. Cause you know, it's one thing after another and he doesn't talk about this stuff. You know, there's shit that I'm still figuring out later now that I never knew about before and my brother passed away in 2012 right so I'm learning about shit that's you know fucking 10 to 11 years 12 13 14 years ago that was going on that I'm just now figuring out and I think one of the I mean the whole thing is difficult like you know you're losing somebody it's hard and I think one of the more difficult aspects of everything was I remember I remember being in my bedroom and I remember there was a storm and I woke up suddenly at like 2.30 in the morning for no apparent reason whatsoever other than uh, my parents got a new – had a new dog at that point and he was barking and barking and barking. And I just like put my headphones on and shit. So what I didn't realize was at that time my brother had actually driven his truck to our parents' house, parked his truck, walked through the backyard – crossed over a fence line into a meadow behind the house and then took his life. And what I didn't know at that time was that was probably most likely what the dog was barking at because he saw the truck pull up, saw somebody walking through the backyard. And at the same time, I'm like, I was awake. Like, why the fuck did I not just go downstairs and go take the dog out? Like I could have went downstairs, taken the dog out, seen the truck parked in the parking lot, or in the drive parking lot, in the driving in the driveway, and been like, "What the fuck's going on here?" And I, I think that's something that has always bothered me because it's always like, "What if?" And you know, we we've talked about it before. The what ifs will fucking kill you. You know, the the what ifs will just fucking deteriorate your mind because they're answers that they're questions that you don't have answers to, and you may never have answers to them. And I remember going to work the next morning. Um, and at this time I didn't know that he had parked at the house. Right. So I woke up the next morning to go to work and very strangely, I see my father outside with the dog with an umbrella cause it's still storming. And I'm just like, time out. My father does not take the dog out to go to the bathroom. Why is he outside? So I'm, I see my brother's truck next to the garage and I'm like, oh, well maybe he's just getting some, he's borrowing some tools and stuff. Cause sometimes he would borrow some shit from my dad to go do jobs. And you know, I, I think I can't remember if I went inside or if I texted my mom, but I was like, Hey, I was like, you know, that Matt's here. And she was like, what? And I said, yeah, his truck's parked outside. And I was like, I thought you knew. And she was, I think I texted her actually. And I was like, Hey, do you, I was like, you know that? And she was like, no, I'll call you back later. And I'm like, well, that's a fucking weird response. Like, why what do you mean you call me back later? So as the day goes on, I'm working, I'm not thinking much of it, but then I just realized that it's like four hours go by and I haven't heard shit from anybody. So I, text my mom and I'm like, Hey, what's going on? She goes, well, we're looking for him. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean you're looking for him? Like, where is he? And she goes, uh, we're not sure. I'll call you back later when I know something. I'm like, no, no, no. Time out. You need to tell me what the fuck's going on. So 
I guess years and years ago, he had kind of sort of done the same thing where he had parked at the driveway at the house and has walked down the street to the um, to the park that's at the other end of our neighborhood. And they had found him just kind of like hanging out in a field somewhere, just doing whatever it is that he was doing, I guess. And uh, they kind of thought that was the same idea. But when they found out that they couldn't find him, you know, they called the police and you know they get the police come to go search for him um at the time i i had a buddy of mine who lived a couple like two houses down so i texted him and was like hey i was like non very being non very like nonchalant i was like can you ride your bike down to the house and go check what's going on i was like just drive around because um I was like, I'm just curious. Like, I know that like people are over at my parents' house. They're trying to find, you know, they're trying to find Matt. Can you just go look? Cause I can't leave work right now. So he takes his bike down there and goes, Hey, the police at your house. And I'm thinking he's just fucking with me because he's just one of those guys that, you know, he'll just fuck with you if you get the opportunity to fuck with you. And I was like, no, no, no. I was like, what are you talking about? No, they're not. So he takes a picture and the fucking police are at the house. So then I call mom and I'm like, Hey, what the fuck is going on? And she's like, we'll talk about it when you get out of work. And at that moment, it fucking hit. Like, I knew without them telling me what was going on. Like, what's that? I'd have been like, well, I'm out of work. So yeah, so I told I told my job, I told my work what was going on. And at the time we were we were like, we were slammed doing something. So I was like, look, I was like, I'll I'll finish what I'm doing. Like, because it's only going to take like a half hour. But when I'm done, I'm out. Like, I got to go. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Like, the, we, like, you can go now. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, let me finish what I'm doing. And then I'll go like, I'm not going to just leave. I can't just leave my shit undone. <clears throat> so I got to the house and, you know, the police had already left and I walked in, like I drove in, like, I, I swear, I think like my truck was probably still like in drive. Like I just miraculously just pulled up and hopped out without even throwing it in a park. And I'm fucking like storming into the house. And I'm like, what the fuck is going wrong? And then I see my mom and dad, you know, in the state that they are broken down and they tell me, Hey, you know, they found Matt and they found him. Like I said, they found him behind the house in a field behind the house and they found him by a helicopter and he was wearing the same clothes that he was wearing the day before, which they knew what he was wearing because they had just gotten, basically they just had gotten lunch with him the day before. And, um, sorry. Um, My uh, my dad took me out and they had marked the tree of where he was at. So for a very, very long time, like for years, um, ever, like, at least until I left that area, I would anytime I'd go run down down that neighborhood or up the road and down the street, I would always run past that area and I would purposely go into the woods to go find out where that tree was. And I would just sit there. And at the time, I didn't really talk to anybody. Um, you know, I told people what happened, but I didn't talk to anybody. Um, what I think one of my biggest regrets out of that is I didn't, I didn't say anything at the funeral. Um, I just, I couldn't pull myself to do it. And he had, I'm, I'm, I'm not really exaggerating when I say this either. He had over like 200 something people come to his funeral and they had so many people that the guest book was like full and there's people that were just signing pieces of paper and like putting it on the side and like coming up to talk to you and be like, Hey, I'm wondering, you know, that I'm here or like they would send my parents a text message and be like, I wanted you to know 
that we like we're here today and it, you know looking back and you see that like 200 and like like 15 people showed up to his funeral like they were outside like in the hallway to come to his funeral and it's just kind of like you sit there and you and you think about like what what came across your mind to make you believe that you were not like cared about or loved for you to you know, like what happened to make you go down that road to make you think that you were not loved by people because there are 200 plus people at your funeral, you know, to, to come pay respects, you know? And like I said, I didn't really talk to a lot of people. Um, after that I did drink a lot. Um, I was at my parents' house. I was, or I was still living with my parents at that time. And my go-to was I'd go to work, I'd come home, I'd get whatever I had. I'd go to the basement. I'd start drinking and I'd play Xbox. And I think for the most part, I'd say this, you know, lightly for the most part, I didn't do a lot of self-harm to myself, maybe the the drinking, but, um, I would drink a lot. I didn't really eat a lot. Um, though I did, you know, we, I've told this story early on where, um, I, uh, I don't know if I had intentions of trying to, um, you know, try to kill myself, but I had a moment where I kind of hit that button where I was like, you know what, uh, fuck it. And I went ahead and, and attempted and it didn't work. Um, and thank God it didn't. Um, and that was, I think that was a moment for me at that time where I decided, like I snapped out of it a little bit and realized like, this is, this is how close I was to you know to to ending that be and i realized that i needed to talk to somebody like i needed to talk to people i lost friendships i lost relationships i lost a lot because i just wouldn't talk to people and um i still don't talk to people like i still struggle but the thing you know there's we all go through shit in life and you know we've discussed on here before like my like uh the heart like a a lack of relationship that i've had with my father throughout the years which is you know better now but there's things that will happen that i may get upset about and pissed off about but i realize that like at the end of the day i'm gonna wake up my feet hit the ground it's gonna be a new day but that void the 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 darkness that just kind of like that shit that just like sits here and like sits here like in your chest and in your head that shit just doesn't go away and i think to tell people that like oh it's it's gonna be okay it's all gonna you know it's gonna be fine you're gonna be okay at some point it's it's a fucking lie like people that are going through shit don't want to hear that like we know that it's not okay but it's it's more of it's not okay, but we find we'll find ways to get through it, and we find better avenues to get through. It's not we're not going to go in, you know. We may have a drinking problem, we may have a drug problem, we may have whatever it is that somebody might be going through. You find a way to break free from that, and you find quote unquote productive ways to get through something like so some people will start turning to the gym some people will pick up a hobby like i started really i know this is it's gonna sound crazy but i started getting really really into firearms like i was already into firearms to begin with but around that time i started getting really into them and i started getting into like i love the mechanics of it so i'd break things down i'd clean them i'd put them back together i'd you know do stuff and it was just keeping my mind busy is the one thing that always helped me And when we were going through it, my parents, you know, they were so obviously they were so distraught about everything. 
I took it upon myself to take care of everything else. Like I would deal with me at the end of the day. Let me deal with everybody else first. And I think that doing that really set me back for a long time because I didn't take the time to take care of myself. And it was, I'd lay there at night and that shit would hit me. And it was just a fucking free for all after that. Yeah. And, um, Seth, I'll, I'll, uh, you look like you want to say something. Give me, give me just one second. That was something that I wanted to touch on in this episode. And I know we're starting, I mean, it's just starting to run out of time. At least I am. Um, but, you know, some of these voids and the reason that I, I, I really kind of like the, the word void is because these aren't just like little holes. These aren't these aren't just, you know, holes left by somebody leaving. These are these are. Things that, you know, a lot of a lot of times you you'll never refill them. I mean, my the void is see two different two different voids for me was, you know, my, my stepfather. We did. We discussed this on the last episode. Um I, I would I would give anything to see him one last time. Um, I'd I would I would give anything to um, introduce him to my daughter. I'd give anything to be able to ask him one one more question for just for in life in general. Um, that's a void that'll never be filled. That's that's a void that will never that will. Uh, I mean, you can't even patch over that. It's just, there's nothing you can do about it. The, the only thing you could do is turn that void into, you know, rather than, you know, rather than to me, at least on my end, rather than focusing on, you know, they're gone. I remember when they were here, I remember what it was like, what the, how it felt to have him in my life and to have such an important person to me that, you know, that's, that's kind of how I get, and, and like I said in the last episode, you don't ever, ever get over, over this kind of stuff. Um, you, you definitely, uh, you definitely go, don't get over it. You get through it. Um, yep. now on the, on the opposite side of the spectrum, um, my divorce, not something I ever, I ever really, I'll be honest with you. I told my mom flat out, I'll probably never have, uh, probably never have kids. Um, now I do. And it's the mm -hmm. greatest thing in the world. And I never thought I would get over that. That's a hole that's been filled and then overflown. Like I, like, like I said, I have the best woman on the planet. I do. And, and obviously, you know, she, she takes such wonderful care of me. She takes such wonderful care of the kids. Um, she is, I've, I, I mean, like I, I joke around, and I'm only, you know, I'm only joking, you know, a little bit, but, you know, I better put a ring on it before she realizes, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I have gotten so much better and I have gotten, my life is so much better after that. But at the time that, that chasm that was created by my divorce from my ex-wife, um, it was not something that I ever expected to get through. So, I mean, you've got these two, not equal size, but two large voids in your life. And both of these I've, I handled poorly. I was, I mean, both times I, I turned to, to alcohol to, to get me through this. Um, but you know, one void is something that will never be filled. I just, I have to concentrate on the positive things that I got when they were around one void has been filled 
and filled with something so much better and so much worth so much more to me than than anything that I feel like could have happened between me and my Mm ex-wife. You know, it was that the divorce, it's gone to me. And I know I talk about it, but that's because I I mean, a few years ago, I wouldn't have been able to. I'm not a chance, not without breaking down. Now I have no problem talking about it because it's over. It's done. It's like, I don't, I really don't care anymore. It got me to where I'm at now. And I have a wonderful family, a beautiful life. And, you know, it, 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 I would never actually say this to her, but thank you for leaving me because, <laughs> it's, because honestly, like if you hadn't, I wouldn't have been here. Right. Yeah. Um, that being said, um, guys, by all means, please continue. I, I, I mean, we have a wonderful conversation. Um, I know my, you got the. I know you're dealing with the monsters today. My 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 munchkin is is getting into God knows what. Uh, lights are starting to come on all over the apartment. <laughs> so I should probably find out what's going on. I uh, and she's generally pretty good, but at the same time, I need to I need to make sure she's all right. Seth, it was a pleasure. We got to do this again sometime. I really wanted. I, I would really like your your input in in some of the things because, um, I mean, you ha- you definitely have a unique uh, y- unique mindset, unique uh, unique angle to look at things. So please, absolutely, man. I, yeah. I, I hope you join us again sometime, Dan. Um, I still can't seem to get rid of you, so I hope we can do this. <laughs> I'm kidding, um, Dan. You, oh, you're number one in my book. <laughs> uh, have a, I mean, please continue this conversation, guys. I know it'll help somebody out there. I know it'll. I I, I know that that we are. Uh, we I know that we touch people with this. So please continue this conversation. I've got to. I've got to sign off myself. But um, thank you, everybody, for joining us on this podcast, Dan. Uh, you'll you'll have you'll have the uh, the outro to deal with today. Um, take care, y'all. Thanks, Brady. Yeah, have a good one, man. You too. Let's see. All I have to do is hang up. I think. Yeah, I think you think you just hit the red button. Yeah. Oh yeah, there he goes. There he I, goes. It worked. You guys, you guys are hitting on some serious points. Um, and and one of the things that that you hit on that kind of reminded me of something. Uh, and then the same thing with Brady is that. So in in with these voids, man, the mind is a is a dangerous place. Yeah. Um. I, you know, like you were talking, you were talking about your brother and, you know, going to the funeral and seeing 200 people, um, you know, I'm not going to go too far into with, but I, you know, some people that have had some mental health issues and what the, the hardest part is, is, is their thoughts. Their thoughts Mm -hmm. are, you know, like everybody, everybody has thoughts and everybody thinks about people in their own way. And everybody, like, I've got my opinion of you, you've got your opinion of me. Right. But the, the thing is, is that a lot of these times when you're doing these thoughts, like you're just thinking it, you're not talking about it. Um, and, and like I've had personal experiences where like I'll go and I'll like, oh, I have this thought about this person. Right. Like this is how I see this person. And then I'll go and then like a, something will come up and it'll just fundamentally change how I think about it because I've never spoken to them about it. I've just had, you know, had this thought about about them. And these voids, what they can do is they can, you know, especially within your head, right? You can fall in it. It's like a hole. You can just fall down the hole and then not even thinking about it. You can get inside your own head, have these thoughts, but not tell anybody. And, you know, then of course, nobody can tell you, Hey, no, you're actually wrong with that. It's like this, you know? Right. Um, 
you know, that's why they, I think that's why with mental health and stuff like they call it, um, they call it an illness because it, it's, it's a chemical thing in your head. You know I mean? It's, it's something that happens where you, what do you want to say? It's like an unbalancedness that's going on in your head, you know? And it's, it's like some people want to take medication. Some people don't, you know, I'm, I'm not the one really one, the one to take medication. I mean, shit, I don't even like taking Tylenol when I have a migraine. Like I just kind of like battle through it. You know what I mean? But it, it's, and then that's exactly what it is because, you know, people, people deal with this shit and it's hard for them to talk about it. And when you have a void of any size whatsoever, you know, it could be something like, uh, like, like a best friend moving and you guys just stop talking, you know what I mean? Like that's, that was a big part of your life and now it's just gone, you know, or it's something, you know, like an animal, like a pet, you know, that pets are part of the family, dude. And it's like, when you lose that, it's just, you always, I think that you always remember like the memories of stuff like that. You always remember that shit because it's literal pieces of your, of your like soul and your mind. And it just it takes over that one part and it, that, that it's always going to be there. Like it belongs there yeah. for a reason. And, you know, Brady was talking about, you know, his kids and how, you know, people find ways to get through stuff. I, there was always that, you know, people always say, well, you know, you'll, you'll find you You have to find a reason to keep driving or you got to find a reason to keep pushing. But if you're, if you're looking for a reason to do something, you're also going to find a reason to not do it. Like it's easier to, it's, you can find 99 things to not do it, but it's going to be, you can't find one to keep going. Right. Yeah. And I think that was, that was I my problem. Okay. Right. And I think it's more so it's not that you you need to find a reason. I think it's you are um, given an opportunity of a purpose and people and you more so can fall into the purpose of why you need to keep going instead of just looking for a reason to keep going. And everybody has a fine. Everybody finds a purpose. You know, you have kids, you have a wife, you have a house, you have, you know, everybody will find a purpose to keep going. But I think if you're looking for reasons to do something, you're going to find the reasons as to not do something. Yeah, I can speak from experience on that one, because once I decided I liked the military or I, I'm sorry, <laughs> once I decided I hated the military, <laughs> I could find any reason for it and and it i could it it would it started affecting me overall because you know like i you know like man i hate pt oh man of course you know i'm i'm naturally naturally like who likes pt but then i was like oh i hate i hate dealing with leadership oh i hate dealing with paperwork oh i hate this oh i hate that you know and it, it got it started getting to me and it really started shifting my uh my perspective and that's where that's where my uh my girlfriend you know she was always like she's like i can she's like you seem really angry you know and i'm like yeah or just really negative because she always responded mm -hmm. to whenever i was really negative and so like i i always noticed that and like i caught myself in it right and like i'd be like damn i can't you know, like I, I'm just I'm like I'm just so negative, right? And I was like, yeah, but this sucks. That's because everything sucks, right? Uh, and then you know, once I was able to transition out, dude, it was like night and day. Like I got out and I was like, no, I'm not being negative anymore. I don't do that. And I, I got to tell you, like it's not easy. It is not no, easy. No, it's not. It takes work. You know? But it takes a lot of work. Like you always got to keep it in your head. You know, like I I get. I, you know, like we were talking earlier. Like yeah, I just I just recently moved and. And man, I've had so many issues with this fucking house. Like, you know, that was just like took me 37 days to get internet after moving in, and then uh, 
was like after they told you what like a week or two or like two weeks or something uh, like it that. was it was 10 to 14 days yeah and fucking so oh my god so it, it you know it took me 37 days and like you know i i have to, i work from home right so i couldn't even live in my own house because i didn't have internet to work from home and right. then after that i had my washer uh which you know was supposed to be delivered last <laughs> took an extra month and then and then even after they installed it um yeah we, let's talk and, about that <laughs> I heard the story. I heard the story that so you you've had basically when you when, since you've moved into this house, like day one of building, you've had uh, your closing date pushed back. You like three almost times. yeah, three times, right? So you had your closing date pushed back. Um, you had a delay on your washer dryer. You had a delay on your internet. So eventually, uh, and a delay I mean, on the movers. Don't forget that. Oh yeah, the movers. That oh my god, where they f- showed up at like three o'clock Nine in the morning. Yeah, later. nine hours later. So. And then, um, what was, oh, and then it was, you guys came over and did laundry at our house because you didn't have a washer. So finally Home Depot delivers your washer. And then what happens? So we're like, dude, fucking finally, we need like clean towels and stuff. So that was the first thing we did. We like, we were like, all right, we need cl- towels and shit. Cause we still had some clothes left over from you. Thank you, by the way. Oh, um, and, uh, so we, so, so we washed the towels. Right. And so I'm, uh, I don't remember what I was doing at the time. I think I was doing something in the kitchen. And all of a sudden the sink starts gurgling and I was like, "What the fuck is that?" Right? And so I go over and then like the we got a stopper in our sink and it's jumping. And I'm like, "What the fuck is this?" And I see like water bubbling and I'm like, "That's weird." And then I hear it from the the bathroom uh, down the hall. I'm like, "What the fuck is going on with this?" So I roll over and I'm like and like the there's bu- water bubbling out of the tank or not the tank, the the bowl, right? And I'm like I'm like like it's bubbling down there. I'm like, "That's not fucking right and then the water starts rising and then the water starts rising rapidly and i'm like oh shit. oh fuck what are, like i don't i don't know what to do so i you know i turn the water off to like the tank right but that's not where the fucking water's coming from and i'm like what the shit and i hear the the, the washer and i was like oh shit it's like because it was the only thing that changed right we've had no no problems up to that point and i was like oh god it's got to be the washer and so i like sprint upstairs uh like yelling for my wife i'm like get up here and like so i run up there and i hit pause on the on the uh on the washer and it stops right and so you know i go back downstairs and the toilets overflowed onto the ground and it was just kind of like little like a little uh gray water not like you know sewage water or anything and right, i'm like right Fuck me and so you know i start googling what it could be and it could be like any number like one of like five common when it's problems. plumbing when it's plumbing there's like a four thousand different things that it could be well, they, it was saying like generally it was like one of like four things. It could be more, yeah. But like they yeah. were saying like this is probably what one it was. And I was like, I have the tools to deal with literally none of it. None of this. <laughs> I learned wow. that when we were putting your mailbox in. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um. And so, and so I'm like, we're cleaning it up, and I'm like, I'm like, fuck, this is ridiculous. It's like I can't have a problem with this because I don't have any of the tools to do this. And so, uh. She, my wife, she calls she calls Home Depot, and the first thing out of the the guy's mouth when he hears the toilet overflow, he's like, "That's not really a problem, the washer." And I was like, uh, "Buddy, you installed the washer today, and then immediately after the toilet overflowed, it has something to do with the washer." <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, so they're like, "We'll get back to you." They never got back to us. Um, of course not. So we've run a couple of loads of laundry since then, and what I've done was I've sit on the landing of the stairs where I can see the toilet. And I can hear the washer, and I'll sit there for the entirety of the cycle, uh, waiting. listening, waiting for it when it, because because the problem was when it drained, 
And so, so far we've not had any further issues, but it'll probably be a while before I'm willing to run the, the washer without, uh, without watching it. So that was, I wonder, I wonder if it was just like a buildup of like water and pressure in that line because you didn't have your washer. Right. So that all that shit has got to be somewhere. So I wonder if when you ran it, I'm, I'm wondering if when you ran it and it started draining, it just needed somewhere to go. Because then, like with pipes, like if there's a leak, it's gonna find. It's if there's an opening somewhere, it's gonna find a place for it to go. But That's look, I mean, at least yeah. at least it went through your toilet and it didn't like bust through like your floor or something. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my hope with it. I read, I I was, dude, I did a whole bunch of research that day. I was looking at it, and they were talking about negative pressure and stuff, and I'm like, bro, I used to know that in high school. Now I don't know what that shit means. But, um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that it was a one-time thing where you're right, where it was like it needed to clear out a line, and you know, it it, it could have cleared out a blockage or something. So that's my hope is that it was just a one-time deal, uh, where it pushed it out. Um, but you know. Fingers crossed that that crap doesn't open again because I just got this house. I cannot have any issues with it. Well, just just to let you know that I don't think it really matters where you build a house or buy a house. Within like the first, I think like six months, you're just gonna have a shit ton of problems. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Like we we had we had our smoke detector just fall out the ceiling of our out of our uh, bedroom. Heard one day. about that? Yeah, and she, my wife texted me. She was like the smoke detector just fell out and I was like, what? And she goes, it's hanging by a wire. And I was like, well, at least it's hardwired in. So I go in and go like, look at it. And it was just like, somebody had just put a screw in too tight and it broke the cradle. So we just replace it and put it back. But I was just kind of like, we've been here for like a month and nothing has happened. And now all of a sudden this thing just falls out of the ceiling. I'm like, fuck me. Like what else is going to happen? But well, that's I think, I think that, right. yeah, that's just usually how it works. It's always going to be something that happens, you know? Always something like we have these like pop in lights in our in our kitchen and it was like for some reason they all started like falling out and I was like what the fuck is happening here so I mean luckily it was nothing but just like putting them back but I was just like god damn man I was like something's gonna happen it's gonna fucking happen right. Yeah, it's probably your house settling or shifting with whatever, whatever. I don't know how that works, but I hear that wood contracts and expands and stuff. So I imagine yeah, my guess does. is that it's probably something like that where it finally it's settling down and then it yeah. just, you know. So yeah, no. the, the one thing, the one thing that Brady and I didn't really get to talk about it. And I think we'll probably, I'll probably bring it up again with him next week. And I'm sure he'll probably talk about it when he listens back. Um, because we do actually like listen back through these podcasts to see like, where we fucked up or what we said wrong or, you know, something like that. And I think one of the things, and I wouldn't say that it's pretty obvious, but when you're talking about mental health, you can't just assume because you really don't know a damn thing about anybody else and what they're going through. But one of the things that we didn't talk about and that we should touch on is just the, the sheer effect, the sheer fact of just alone, like the concept of just loneliness and being alone and i know like you you touched on it a few times with you traveling through the military i'm sure it wasn't easy being away from your now wife like how you know i haven't had to deal with that like i've the, the longest i've ever been separated from my wife was uh, when she went and did a mission trip um, and she went, you know, she went overseas and did like a mission trip to like DR and all that stuff. And um, I went to Minnesota for a week for like a hockey tournament. But like I haven't had to deal with 
her being gone for a long period of time. But you, you had to deal with your now wife being uh, thousands of miles away for months, years. Yeah, so um, we started dating in, in high school. And like I'm from the start, it was long distance because we didn't even go to the same high school. We met through um, my work, which was at a martial arts studio. And it just so happened that she worked at one of the sister locations. And during one of the trainings, she, uh, she saw me. Uh, and then she proceeded to stalk me and uh, get my phone number for my friends, uh, figure out who I was via all of my friends, and then, you know, casually come up to me one of the trainings. <laughs> uh, and so now we're married. Uh, I'm held here against my will. No, not even kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, just kidding. But love you, babe. Um, but it was it, it was it was really difficult because we we started out at different locations. She lived uh, she lived about 30. No, about an hour away from me. And so what would happen is every every other weekend or so we would meet up um, at, you know, at, at a, like a, the middle location to our to us. Um, it was like a little shopping center mall, like coincidentally where her mom worked so she could oversee us from the building. But, you know, neither, mm-hmm. neither here nor there. Um, and so, you know, we did that. And then and then, you know, I told her like uh, like I had like I had already planned. I'd planned in like my junior year. I was like, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to college. I'm going to military. And so she knew about it, right? And uh, we both we both agreed. We were like, yeah, we wanna we wanna continue this. We wanna keep going. And so uh, I went to basic training, and then that lasted. I think it was about two and a half, three and a half months. Um, and I came back, and I came back, and I saw her. I had talked to her the entire time through letters, like I actually wrote her letters and would call her and stuff like that. And then I went when I got out of when I got out of basic, I had like they gave you like holiday leave I, I got out in like early december so i had up until uh i think it was january of that next year uh, of 2013 i believe it was and so i i went so she actually my parents actually went came down and road tripped uh to to uh missouri where uh, i was at but i didn't know they went and they picked her up and they brought uh they brought her with with them and so she was there, and she was super shocked at me because I would—it was a big physical change. She was the the fittest I've ever been in my life. I'd lost a lot of weight, um, you know, and I looked different, carried myself different, you know. Uh, and you know, then we went back up, and we went up to my parents' house in Michigan. Uh, we went there for a couple weeks, and then I flew out from there to Virginia, where I was shipping out of, and I lived with Pamela for a couple weeks, uh, and then which was the most time that I'd like realistically spent with her. You know, and then after that, I went to Germany and then while we talked and we FaceTimed, you know, uh, quite a bit, I didn't physically see her for a year and a half. Wow. Yeah. And then I uh, I took some leave. I think I took about two weeks of leave while I was in Germany and I flew over uh, and then I went and I, I stayed with her and I just, you know, we just hung out and just enjoyed each other's company. And then I flew oh, back. I lost time. Yeah. And then I flew back. Uh, to uh, Germany through Britain, which was just a fucking nightmare. Um, issues, man, issues. And so I went back to Germany. And then in Germany, once I left Germany, uh, I went to New York. I went straight there. And I didn't take any leave in between stations. I just went straight there. And, uh, and then she came up and visited me, I think it was about three times while I was in New York for the two years that I was there. Uh, she hated it. She doesn't like driving. Uh, and it's just a straight shot. Um, and then she would also come up when it was cold and, you know, there's like 10 foot snow banks and on the side of the road. And she's like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, it is snow. This is why this is camp. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and so we, we did that. And then, and then when I was in New York, I, I FaceTimed her a lot more regularly every night, 11 o'clock, uh, while my next door neighbor was having some fun, um, that you could hear through the thin walls anyways. Um, so we, we would FaceTime regularly, uh, then, and then once I got out, I started hanging out with her, but man, let me tell you, it was, it was rough. It was, you know, like we both we both craved each other's attention. Um, we both wanted to physically be there. Like, do just a hug, man. Like, some something simple as like a hug, like that was rough. But we were we were experienced in being apart, which mm. was which was why it kind of worked out. Is because we never we weren't together to begin with, right? Our relationship um, was primarily through like t- phone or or f- you know text or or whatever and then whenever we would spend that time together that was when we would we would make the most of it you know like we would just sit there hold hands and and stuff like that so i mean it was it was really rough and like now you know we're we're never apart you know like not really um and even when we are like it's not that big of a deal for us anymore because we've been through so much worse i can't imagine any time in my life right now you know think hopefully fingers crossed that like i'll ever have to wait a year and a half to see her again Right. You know, so, you know, but, it, it's not like it's not like like when you're in the military, it's not like you can just um, it's not like you can like step away to go to the bathroom and send her a text message. Like you don't get to just like have your phone stuck on you 24 seven. Right. Well, I mean that you can in basic. You cannot. Right. right. But, you know, when the, and once you get out into like the regular army, you can. But the problem is there's you know, they have strict rules like you can't walk and talk on your phone. Right. I can't, you know, like and and then, of course, like if you're if you're doing nothing, you're wrong. Um, so, you know, if you have like, time, you're not going to time to do other stuff. Right. And you're not going to just sit there on your phone talking, you know, like texting her and stuff like that. And I'm sure that's not and that's difficult because, you know, and I'm sure there's a lot of other people that might be going through this or dealt with it. It's like it's the one person that you want to speak to and you can't really talk to them how you want to talk to them because you don't have that time and it's also like if you're going through something or she's going through something it's that that feeling of like i feel absolutely fucking like useless right now because i can't be there for you when you're going through something yeah. you know but i think like you said it made you guys i mean it sounds like it made you guys stronger and i i told you guys at your wedding that you you two you two were definitely like you guys were meant to be together and the way that you you know you talk about her and the way that she talks about you not behind your back but um no i'm joking um the way that she the way that she talks about you and the way that you guys are as you know, uh, like husband, wife, and as a couple, and as you were before, like when we first, like when I first met, because, it, or when I first met you, because like our wives met on a dating site, which uh, to sounds. Be clear, to be clear, to be clear, our wives met on a dating site that also had a friend finding right. site. So it had a friend <laughs> finding site. So like my wife is like, when my wife is telling me like, oh, I went on this site to go find some friends. And I was like, okay. And she's like, I found one person that I could tolerate. And that one person was your wife. And they've been, they're fucking like best friends now. Yeah. They they, just fucking connected because they're like the same. Yeah. So then obviously I'm like, I'm first like, fuck, I got to like pretend I like this guy. Like, I don't even know who this motherfucker is. Like, all right, I'll give, I'll give it a shot. So then it was like, 
I had to pretend at first. No, I'm joking. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'll give this guy a shot. But then I'm like, all right, I'm like, this dude, like, dude's cool. Like, we have a lot in common. And then when I see how you are with your wife, and I'm like, yeah, I was like, these guys, like, y'all were meant to be together. Like, you two, you two are good people. Like, you, like, salt of the earth, you know. And I'm glad, I'm glad that, um, that Taylor went onto the uh, quote unquote dating site and, you know, became friends with your wife. Cause I think, I think, to be able to have conversations like this, it's not easy to just have them with anybody. And, you know, with like Brady and Chris and like having you on, it's good to know that you have people that you can actually talk to. And I think it's hard sometimes for people that don't know where to go or where to turn to or who they can talk to. And, you know, we always say, if you need to talk to somebody, you can reach out to us. Like you can send us a message. You can, you know, post in the group. You can find us on Instagram. You can find a way. If you need somebody to talk to, we can talk to you. Like we'll talk to you. We're not medical professionals. We are, you know, we are just people that have gone through life and walk through fire and come back out the other side. And we may not have the same experiences as you've had, but we we're familiar with it and everybody deals with it differently. And if there's something that you need to get off your chest, that's what we're here for because it's hard for people and they don't want to go to therapy or they don't want to call, you know, the suicide hotline. They don't want to do, you know, X, Y, and Z. So if you don't want to do that, you can come just talk to us and you don't have to tell us about what the fuck's going on. If you just want to bullshit the whole time, you can bullshit. You can vent. You can talk about whatever. If you want to talk about how you bunkered down in your basement for a month and played Skyrim, fuck it. We'll talk to you about it too. You know, like, but that's the whole premise of this. And I, dude, I really appreciate you coming on and I know it was really last minute. Um, but I really appreciate you coming on and I really appreciate you, you know, talking about your story and opening, you know, tell, you know, letting everybody know, you know, a little bit about you. And if, if you, and if all y'all, you guys don't know this, but, uh, you and your wife are probably like our number one listeners. Um, you, you know her, it. you harassed me for about a week and a half about getting a new episode out. And, uh, I harass, no, 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 correct you. I harass you when I come back on Monday and I'm like, hey, I don't see a new episode. What's going on here? <laughs> okay, so you motivate us to make sure that we get an episode out. Let me correct it then. But it's nice to – I think it's it's good for people to know that like – if you if your listeners and, and like I said, like you and your wife have been like two of the people that have given us like the most reviews about stuff or like have opened up about things. So when we hear that, it makes us feel better and it makes us like wanting to continue to do this more. But we've always said if there's at least one person that listens, we're going to keep doing it. You know, we're going to yeah, keep doing it and we're going to keep doing it no matter what, because, you know, this is it's not like. We're not lecturing. We're not TED talking. We're just having a conversation. And sometimes when you have that conversation, it can like it can like resonate with somebody, and then it starts to spin the wheels for them. And that's kind of, like I said, like this is what it's about. It's just you know you're just shooting the shit and you're talking like friends. And uh, mental health is just not something that everybody wants to talk about, you know. And there's a lot of people that deal with it, and it's not easy to speak on. Yeah, and and I gotta I gotta say, man, like. One of the things that I've found throughout my life, listening to people, because I, I, I enjoy listening to people. Um, 
Uh, I like listening to their opinions and stuff like that. I like to listening to their stories uh, personally because I like getting the nuggets of information that people drop. People drop information nonstop. But not only that, man, uh, I just totally lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> but no, not only that, like I just, you know, I, I just like listening to people. It's it's so much fun and you get so much out of it. Like you get so much information from these people and, you know, it can take you so far and you, you just don't know what people are going through. You know, like, and and just even just listening to some people are just, it, it can, you know, you don't have to say anything, man. I've sat through people's stories and, you know, like, you don't just have to say anything. You just you just sit there. You listen, you know, getting mm-hmm. it off your chest is, is, is a thing, you know, and and found it. Um, so one of the things that I've found through everything is everybody needs to go through their own uh go through their own life and their own path. I know people that sit there and they'll compare two people doing similar things and they're like, I need to do that. I need to do that. Um, I, and personally, I, I subscribe to the thing. I was like, no, you do what makes you happy, mm-hmm. you know, without, you know, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone or yourself, you know, like I, I, I wanted to be in the military. It didn't work out. It was not my thing, but now I'm the happiest I've ever been. I, you know, I've got my wife, you know, my dog, uh, my house, you know, and you've got to take your own path and your own path can be clear uh, or it can be muddled. You might have not have a single idea. I know Brady was talking about he was talking about how he he broke up with his wife, his, his ex-wife. And that's that was his path. You know, I mean, you know, everybody's everybody's got their own way through through life. And you can't just you can't just plot out everything because obviously, no, no. You know, everyone knows no battle survives first contact. But I mean. If you can sit through and you can get through it, like you are here today because you've gotten through everything you've done before, you know, so you got to take, you know, take life one step at a time and, you know, just just keep moving. it. What was what was that phrase you just said? Which one? The no, no. battle. What was that? No, um, no plan survives first contact. No plan survives first contact. Yep. Where, so where did you hear that in the military? Uh, that's usually how the military works. You also you, you also hear it, uh, you know, non-military as in uh, men make plans and God laughs. Uh, you know, it's, I like that. Yeah, that's good. I like that. So I mean, like you can you can make your plans all you want. Um, I had plans, and they didn't work out. You know, I wanted to be in the military for 20, 30 years, just like my dad. And you know, a few years in, I was like, Nah, man, this ain't gonna work. Yeah, you the know? same for me. But, you know, it's it's one of those things like you got to do what makes you happy, you know, and, and some things will make you more happy. Some things won't. And, and, and another thing, too, it'll take time. It'll mm. take a lot of time. Me and me and my wife, we would man, we would dream about the days that we would get to just sit together and not have to leave. You know, we dream about the days where like we'd go to sleep and, you know, we wouldn't have to be, you, you know, go someplace the next day and be apart. And now we're at that point. And it takes time. It's a grind. It's a grind every day. And you can get there, you know, to that point in your life where you're happy or you've got what you want, you know, and it, it just takes time. And, you know, you, you've just got to work with it. You've just got to understand that there's going to be sidetracks and, you know, setbacks along the way. But there's no setback that'll set you far enough back. You know, like, you you know, if you keep going, there's no set setback that'll ever stop you. Right. And I think one of the things it's like, you said it's a grind and we always talk about, you know, it's like, it's okay to not be okay. Like it's okay to have those thoughts that, you know, 
like I don't want to fucking be here. Well, that's that's your mental like that's your that's your body telling like trying to vent, right? Like you're you're mentally trying to vent out. You're like I don't want to be here anymore or you know like like fucking I'm out or it's not even worth it or you know what why does it even matter? Nobody loves me. Like that's just that's you venting and that's you getting stuff out. So like when you have those thoughts or you start thinking like that, like it it doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you um less of a person like it's like i said it's okay to not be okay because it's okay to have thoughts like that now it's it it's not okay to try to you know like end your life like that's we're not saying that but what we're saying is we also can't go around and tell you that like oh well think about everybody else uh, you know, that's, that it's going to hurt if you kill, like, if you kill yourself, like, don't, don't, don't say that shit either, because that that's going to make it worse. Cause they don't, they're not thinking about everybody else for a reason. They're thinking about themselves right now. And in the moment, that's the only thing that matters is taking care of that person. So like, if you got to sit and listen, sit and listen, or if they want your opinion, you can give them your opinion. But if you're going to talk to them about something, ask them if they're mentally capable of, of are mentally prepared to hear what you're about to tell them. Cause they may not be, and you may make it like, I may make it worse, but we always say, you know, like I said, it's okay to not be okay. But the one thing I, I'd heard somebody say this before, and it's, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. So if you're battling through something, it's okay to battle through that. But like you said, it takes patience and it's a grind and you just have to, you just keep pushing. So it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. So just keep grinding and keep rolling and be patient because, you know, shit is going to turn around for you at some point. We've all been there in that mental capacity where this is the end. Like we're, we're jumping off the cliff and then something happens and flip the script turn the light on. Now everything is getting reversed. It's not about I'm fucking done. I'm jumping off the cliff. It's, you know, it's enjoying life. And it, and I think that's the one part is like you said, do what makes you happy. Enjoy fucking life. Don't, don't let people tell you what you can and can't do. If you want to, Hmm. I, I was, I was thinking, I, you know, I think one of the big things is like, you've got to find a purpose, you know, and, and people say that all the time, but you've got to find not just, you don't have to find a purpose. You have to find your purpose you've mm -hmm. got to find out what you want mine for the longest time was i wanted to i wanted to be with be with pamela that was that was my my purpose i i went through the time in the army because she was there and i was like look like we're gonna be together we got to figure out we got to make it away and not everybody's is gonna find you know like i said not everybody's gonna find theirs immediately i was lucky to find my purpose a long time ago it can take time right but you find that purpose and then you sit there and you're like, I'm going to do just about anything to make this work, you know, mm -hmm. and you've got to get there. And then once you get there, you're not done. It's it's a lifelong pursuit. You've got to sit there and you've got to go and, I'm, you know, grind to keep it there. You've got to grind like I'm going to make it better and do this, you know. And so it's it's a thing. It's, it's, it's a journey. Life is a journey and you can't sit there and, you know, not go forward and be happy. You have to be right. working on improving it because, you know, like improving, improving your life will improve you and you'll gain these experiences and you'll just, you know, you'll set yourself up for success. Right. You know, like I would say, you change your mind, you change your mind, you change your life, you change your life, you change your mind. It's all about perspective, right? Oh, yeah. You want to change something, you got to change it up here in your head first. Once you change it up here in your head, everything else will follow. And when uh, everything no else stops. stealing that phrase, by the way. 
Go ahead. <laughs> once you once you change everything in your head, life will follow. And when life will follow, everything else in your head will change. Right. But it's so hard for people to get through that because everybody's dealing with something different. Everybody's battling with something different. And it's hard for somebody to listen to that and be like, well, you don't know me. You're right. I don't fucking know you. But I can tell you from experience that if I didn't change my mind, my life probably would be over right now. I would not be here today. So I needed to change my mind. I needed to change my perspective. And like, like I always say, man, just do whatever the fuck makes you happy. All right. If you want to play Xbox, fucking play Xbox. If you want to go to the gym, go to the gym. If you want to go fucking shoot 5,000 rounds of brass at a, at a gun range, go fucking ahead. Like you do whatever it is that makes you happy. If it's taking, if it's tinkering with cars or shit like that, whatever, do it. But it needs to be productive. Don't be, don't, don't self harm. It needs to be productive. And I mean, that's just, that's what, I mean, that's really much all uh, what it comes down to, you know, and get out of your own head, get out of your head. And it's hard to do. Oh, get out of your it head. Is, it is a nightmare. It is a nightmare. Get out of but your head. Do it. And once you start doing it, it becomes a little bit easier each time. Mm hmm. And it's you can't have it all at one day. You know that old stupid okay. phrase, Rome wasn't built in a day. You're right. Well, to be fair, nothing was really built in a day. I mean, it takes houses months to get built. It takes corporations years to get up on their feet. It takes, you know, it, like I said, the shit takes time. Like you're not going to just randomly wake up one day and all of a sudden your shit's going to be okay. It's not like you're still going to be struggling, but it's going to suck a little less. And every single day it's going to suck a little less and it's going to suck a little less and it's going to suck a little less and it, you're going to start – realizing that you can enjoy life again and when you start enjoying life like man fuck like you realize like life is fucking awesome like there's still dumbass shit that happens like it's think dumbass shit is gonna fucking happen in your life but you start appreciating things a little more you know what i mean oh yeah i totally get it and and there's always gonna be those setbacks and stuff man like it's just it's dumbass shit. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, it's dumbass shit. You just gotta, you just gotta move forward. You know, like just never, never let anything stop you. You know, yep. you sit there and you can't ever hit a wall. You know, no, there was no wall that was ever built that you couldn't get through. You know, right. that's that's why you've gotten to where you're at. Everybody's gone through their own things. Everybody, whether it's a physical thing, whether it's a mental thing, you know, it's it's always it's always something, and it's a journey. And you've just gotta, you just gotta take it one step forward. A, you know, a step forward is a step forward. It's, you know, whether it's an inch or a mile, you know. And some of that, too, is – and I mean this the nicest way possible. Sometimes we do that shit to ourselves. Like we refuse to leave that mindset because we just want to be there. Don't 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 do that. It's easy to be there. But listen, comfort isn't always the best thing. All right? Doing the uncomfortable shit is the stuff that's going to get you through whatever it is you're going. You know, like I talked about – in our in a, like the write up the other day that we were doing where I don't know if anybody did it where I was basically like write a letter to yourself going over a time that was really rough for you and just put it fucking out on paper to see, you know, and, and keep it there. And I said, you know, it's like rehabbing an injury, rehabbing. And I've had I've had fucking plenty of them. That shit hurts like but it hurts because you are you're strengthening what is damaged and you got to do the shit that's uncomfortable for you to to get where you need to be, like to elevate and to get to where you need to be, to get to your purpose, to get to your, you know, whatever it is, what you're meant to do in life. That shit's going to hurt. Like you're going to take bumps and bruises. If you go through life thinking that, um, 
you're going to live this perfect, like, Disney World uh, fucking princess life where everything goes well. Shit ain't like that. Like, you're going to fucking take bumps and bruises. You're going to get hit. But it's not really about how hard you hit. It's about how you get up. And if you can get up and keep going, you're going to fucking be okay. And one day and 20 years from now when you've got a house and a family and you've got dogs and you're living life, you're going to look back and be like, fuck, like that moment really wasn't that big of a deal. I just made it that big of a deal. Well, and you got to think, too, is like every problem seems like it's the, you know, the biggest problem you've ever had. And you Mm -hmm. know what? It may be. It may be that that moment is the biggest problem that you've ever had. Right. But then, like you said, 20 years goes by and you look at it and you're like, man, you know, compared to the stuff I've done, you know, like that problem wasn't as big as I thought. Right. You know, you're going to go look, you know, you look at a hole in the wall, you know, it's going to be like, damn, this is a big, big ass hole. Right. And then, you know, look at the grand scheme of things like, eh, you know, maybe it's not. Right. It's always it's it's a matter of perspective. You got to sit there and you got to understand you're like, yeah, this is a big problem for me right now. Right. But I'm going to get through it and I'm going to get past it. Right. right. Fix it up and, you know, keep going and doing doing all that. Right. Like a moment. A moment doesn't dictate a lifetime. You know, a moment is a moment. A moment is a short period of time. That's all it is. You know, that's all it is. So I know, I know you probably got some shit that you need to get doing. I, uh, I need these fucking dogs, man. These dogs have been getting at me all this whole entire time. I love your dogs. I know he's sleeping. She's won't stop nudging me and keeps trying to go to the door and love magnet. Oh my God, this dog. So, um, with that, I get, this is a good point to wrap up. And when we come back with part three, uh, we're going to actually just kind of discuss more about ways to get through voids you know we we talked about a couple of like our negative vices and like positive vices today but when we come back with part three it's really going to be about like how like ways to push through shit like ways to get through stuff you know resources to get through things um but before i leave i want to ask you one question if you had in in a short you know like a short phrase if you had any advice for somebody either transitioning out of the military into civilian life or somebody who has some maybe has uh, dealt with some severe trauma or anything like that especially like with the military um or just in general what what would you say to that person before they went in and what would be the one advice to give them as they leave Ooh, um before they get in uh you can do it um it's you know Getting in is a mind game. Uh, a lot of it is I had a problem going into basic. It was a lot of it was mental. Uh, it was just it's a big change. It's the it's 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 a it's it's a change that's totally different than anything you've ever experienced. Um, but, you know, like they'll they'll teach you through it and they'll they'll uh, train you, train you up and they'll get you in so you can do it. It's, you know, just grind it through. Uh, and as, as, as you're getting out, um, I would say have a plan, you know, they would say that too, but I would also say, don't listen to the naysayers when they get out. Uh, a lot of people will tell you, um, the military is your best and only option in the world. And you can, you can go through and do it. I knew a lot of people that would tell me like, dude, you're going to end in a van by the river. You're going to be homeless. You're not going to, you're not going to do it. You need to stay in the military. You don't have to, Mm -hmm. you can do it on your own. It's not going to be easy, but, you know, don't listen to the naysayers and, and, you know, like you decide what's best for you, you know, like they don't military controls a lot of things in your life. They don't, 
it, when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, they don't control you. Uh, what your choices are about staying in or getting out. Um, relatively, there are some caveats to that in terms of you can't just leave the military on your own. Um, but, you know, like a lot of them will tell you, you can't do it. You know, that's not necessarily true. You can do it if you try hard enough. And I think that goes in general with just about life. You know, you can do it. Don't tell, don't listen to anybody that can tell you that you can't do it. And if somebody tells you that you can't do something, fuck it, go do it out of spite. Who gives a shit, you know? So with that, um, I guess we'll, we're going to go ahead and wrap up here. So with that, um, this is uh, Many Your Life, Unapologetically Human. Uh, Seth, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, I appreciate you and Brady having me uh, having me on, man. I really do. Now, yeah, and now that Brady's gone, I guess I can do his outro for him. By the way, Brady hates everybody. No, he doesn't. He loves everyone. Um, I This is Men in Your Life on Apologically Human. I am Dan. Brady is gone. This is Seth. Seth, thanks again for everything, and hopefully we can get you on again. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And I thanks everybody for listening to me yep, rant on about my <laughs> nonsensical opinions. And remember, it is okay to not be okay.